Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever felt to yourself while you watching a movie? They can do better than this. I can do better than this. Amen. Well, then please prepare your hearts, your minds, your souls for the film tweakers. Mm, I can feel it. Hello, fellow film tweakers. Yeah, remember this other podcast I used to do like a year ago? Well, it's back. And uh, just in time for our new Star Wars movie as we decide to film tweak Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. I'm Brandon Prosek. Joined with me is... Josh Sibley. And I I watched X-Men Apocalypse. I thought we were doing an X-Men thing. Oh God! The- <laughs> uh, you know what? I can I can push these tweaks into into it. It's fine. Oscar Isaac's in both. You know, we'll make it work. Okay. <laughs> oh God, I, I couldn't even tweak it. I would just need to. We would need to overhaul that movie. You, you know, I mean, it really, when you get down to it, it's the same movie. You get characters flipping and flopping sides. You know, Oscar Isaac's yeah. in it. There's overuse <laughs> of CG. It's all the same. Oh. Yes, lots of overuse of CG, but uh, we're here to talk about Star Wars uh, Force Awakens. At the time we're recording this, um, depending on when this episode will drop, tomorrow, The Last Jedi comes out, Josh. Are you excited to see it? It's a holy day for me, I believe. I'm taking a religious yeah. holiday on Friday. <laughs> yeah, I um, I had a bunch of people uh, were like, oh, are you going to see it Thursday or like later this weekend? Uh, and I just laughed. Because I thought that they were joking. Of course I'm seeing it on Thursday. Like, what kind of question is that? Why would I wait? Why would I wait and let someone else possibly ruin it for me? Yeah, I, I bought tickets, like, in October, I think. So. Yeah. And I fully plan that if I really enjoy it when I see it at the 7, 7.15 show, then I may go ahead and just see it at, like, a 10 o'clock show. Because why not? I'm an adult. I can do what I want. I, I might go <laughs> see it um, on... Uh... Uh, Friday, because I have movie pass, so, you know, get that one free one in. But I do have tickets to go see it with my family on Christmas Day as well, so I hope this it's good. Is, this podcast is not sponsored by movie pass. <laughs> movie pass, nine ninety five a month. <laughs> Trust me, I will take a sponsor if they would like, but at the moment we are not, so. I'm, I'm taking a movie pass sponsor. Movie pass, if you're listening, give me a call. <laughs> So, just a little refresher, super quick. If you listen to Film Tweakers, we we did a few episodes way back in the day. We talked about things like Jurassic World, Suicide Squad, Interstellar. Took a bit of a break, got busy with some other projects. Both Josh and I hopping on a bunch of different things at once and dealing with, you know, adulting. And uh, we had wanted to jump back into this. Um, We figured we would start with the Star Wars prequels. I remember we hyped it. For a while. For the release, uh, the theatrical release of Rogue One. (laughs) Yes. And, uh, yeah, just totally, we're sorry, guys, totally dropped the ball. But we decided with Last Jedi coming out, um, we still want to film tweak each of the prequels, but we figured with Last Jedi here, let's go back to the the Star Wars from 2015, Episode 7, right before Episode 8, and film tweak that one. So, uh... Yeah, we're, we're, we have a handful of tweaks. Uh, these are just things we feel that if uh, just little little tweaking that this movie would go from good to great or great to amazing, however you see the film. But uh, 
just super, super quick thoughts. Overall, how did you like Force Awakens, Josh? Uh, I saw it, I think, three times in the first week of release. Um, so you hated it, is yeah, what Yeah, pretty to say. much. My, uh, my last viewing of it was about mm, 20 minutes ago. I finished it. <laughs> and um, uh, I crammed all, all eight, including Rogue One, into, uh, into like the last week here. So I'll be honest, I was kind of Star Wars'd out by the time I started The Force Awakens, but I still enjoy the film. I was going to say, that seems like a little bit more of a, your viewing schedule issue than it is with the yeah, actual Yeah, you know, <laughs> I finished Return of the Jedi at like 5 o'clock today, and then I yeah. threw in The Force Awakens at 7, so it's just been a whole, a whole thing. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I also just watched this uh, last night. Um, watched about half of the night prior and finished the, the later half last night. And yeah, I also enjoyed it. Um, surprisingly, only saw it once in theaters. Really? Um, yeah, not because I didn't want to see it more, but because this was back when uh, I only just recently started seeing movies by myself when I can't find anyone. Um, but before, like, I was like, no, I got to go with someone. And then in January, like, I saw Hateful Eight, and I wanted to support that one, and then it got busy, and then before you know it, it was February, and Deadpool was coming out. So, <laughs> yeah, that um, that shows you back <laughs> when Force Awakens was coming out. Sheesh. But Last Jedi, with Ryan Johnson behind it, I, I'm not going to, I'm trying not to overhype myself, but I have a feeling I'm really going to enjoy it. I have no problem seeing it multiple times, even if some of the times are by myself. Um but, uh, yeah, so uh, we want to go ahead and jump right into these tweaks, Josh. Um, these are in no particular order, so there's no ranking, like, of what is the biggest tweak or smallest tweak. They're more but, nitpicks, um, you know? Yeah, it's, that's the thing, is, like, this is not a bad film, and that's what, film tweakers, we didn't want to just be fixing bad films, like, some of these, like, we talked about Interstellar, like, it has good things. Interstellar but, is a great uh, film. Well... Uh, go listen to that episode and see if you agree with me. And I never Keith listen Rumble. to any of the any of the podcasts. <laughs> God, um, of course. Um, but you, yeah, you could just let's... be editing me into like something like a moron, and I wouldn't know. Yeah, I just. But you should listen, <laughs> listener. I suppose you are listening if you're listening to continue. I just take all the times you say yes, and I I go on rants for five minutes, and then you go yes. Sounds about right. So uh, let's jump right in. Uh, We have a handful of tweaks here, like I said. Big one, and I know this is not just us. This is something that many critics and people love to bring up with Force Awakens, and that is the uh, the Star Killer base, aka a bigger Death Star. So, uh, Josh, do you want to jump in uh, quick with your thoughts on this this plot point in the film? If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. The motto of the <laughs> Empire slash First Order. <laughs> Build it bigger. You know, next they're going to have like a whole solar system of them. That's, their, that's what they're going to have in episode 10, I heard. It's the right, rumor yeah. going around. They went, they went from a moon to a planet to they're just going to have an entire solar system. Yeah, I guess it just felt like a rehash, and I mean, there's parts of the movie that feel very rehashy of, like, especially, you know, the original Star Wars. It's, you know, uh, to me, it just felt very tacked on all of a sudden. 
Sure. Like, it wasn't some, you know, because, like, if you think of the original one, it's like, where are the plans for the battle station? Where is this thing? And it's just like, Poe po and Finn are just like, hey, a little bit of work, we can do this. And there's that whole scene where they all get together, and they're like, okay, if we take down the shields, we can blow it up. It's like, cool, thanks for meeting us, and then they all break. I'm like, don't you need some sort of military strategic movement to this, maybe? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. That was just That was just my thought. But I just feel like it is the same thing again. Let's have a third Death Star. Blows up more planets this time, but it just never, it never, uh, it never felt organic to the story to me. Yeah, that's that's where I would agree. Is like okay, so if for say as an example, they didn't bring the Death Star back in Return of the Jedi, I don't think this would have been as big as a problem as it was. Um, like if it was literally just in the original film and then this, then it's like, okay, it's still similar, but it's not like a third time. So what, and I remember the, the particular part that I didn't get like upset about, but Han Solo even says, so it's another death star. And they go, this is the death star. And they show like a little hologram of the death star. Mm -hmm. And then like, this is star killer base. And it's gigantic. It's like probably like, I don't know, five times bigger. Like it's, massively bigger so like there is no like oh it's slightly bigger it's way bigger but just the fact that han solo even said so it's another death star it's like <laughs> even han is like not like it's like all right what's the big deal so we he's like, and he even says we could blow it us uh, we can blow it up somehow there's always a way to blow it up <laughs> like he says i'm paraphrasing of course but he basically says that i think that and is then, his like, line actually like, <laughs> verbatim there's no real strategy here like you said it is very like they just land, they just met up with the rest of the resistance, and all of a sudden it's like, well, quick, we gotta, you know, we gotta blow it up. Well, we can't without the shields. Well, what do you do with the shields? Oh, you gotta get the shields down. Well, we'll go on there and yeah, we'll save Ray and boom, 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 boom. It's like okay, that whole plan was devised in five minutes. So, Star Killer Base, I liked. I mean, I will have to say. Bravo to the effects department and, like, the way J.J. shot it. When they showed that scene earlier in the film where it shot those planets and, like, you got the point of view of the planets as they see this gigantic red beam coming for the planet. Yeah, that was cool. I thought that looked great, and I thought it was really, like, emotional. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, the fact that, like, it looked cool, and I, I enjoyed, the, the I guess, the use of... It, the sun needed to power it because, yeah, how could you power a, a gigantic gun for an entire planet? So, like, they gave it some elements of, like, weakness, but essentially it just became another Death Star. I guess my biggest problem with it is that it didn't the base itself didn't bother me. It was the we have to blow it up again thing. Yeah. Because it would have been fine, I think, if they just left it as, like, oh, we can't take down that thing. It's an entire planet. And, like, they just disabled it. Or even Somehow. just, you know, it didn't decide to go blow up the resistance. And they yeah. did it. It just felt like, okay, so the Republic's wiped out, which kind of can push into our next tweak, if you'd like. Sure. But, you know, it's like, oh, the entire Republic's wiped out, and they're like, oh, okay, so resistance for the win, let's go do our thing. And I'm, I, you know, I think that the whole film kind of lacks clarity at times. As to what's happening outside of this world, because it's been 30 years. And so you kind of go, yes. well, isn't the Empire gone? And I know the books and the comic books and all that kind of fills stuff in. 
But for the the viewer who just watches the films, it's and the opening crawl, in the op- <laughs> but the opening crawl doesn't give you a lot either. It basically says the you know out of the ashes of the empire, the first order was born. Like okay, I get it, but you know there's a new republic. But when the republic goes, why isn't that bigger a bigger deal to them? Yeah. I, I agree that the film really, like, when you look back at it, there is a lot of mystery. Some of some mystery is okay, because, like, they know that they're doing a trilogy. But too much of it, especially in our culture nowadays, where, like, theories and predictions, like, everything is picked apart. Like, we have so many videos on YouTube now that are just, like, trailer um beat by beat like they're trying to predict the film and mm-hmm. you know they this, people have been theorizing what's going to happen in episode 8 ever since episode 7 happened that you know not everything's going to stay a mystery um, and then like the problem with that th- theorizing is that people spend so much time thinking about like who Snoke is and what's going to happen next with the First Order that they build it up in their head a certain way and then when it doesn't happen their own way they get disappointed so I agree. The clarity is a little off. I would have enjoyed a little bit more, um, like you said, on like the resistance and you know how did they? How did the first order get in so much power so quickly? Um, like was maybe they should have said like did the empire ever really disband? Um, or like because one of my favorite things, and I know this is a side note, but it actually is a great point to bring up this gap between episode six and seven is that in robot chicken, I think it was, or family guy. I, I, I confused some of those comedy star Wars <laughs> specials. Um, I want to say robot chicken that they said, Oh no, they killed, they, they, they blew up the death star again and they killed the emperor. And they're like, yeah, but we still have like, Tons of men in control of, like, the entire galaxy. They're like, nope, when they blow up the Death Star and kill the Empire, that means we lose. <laughs> like, they literally just joke, they got to do those two things. If they do one, it's okay, but if they did both, that means we lose. So how could the Empire have literally, like, lost, like, the entire galaxy back to the Resistance slash Rebellion slash Republic? Um, one of the Rees. <laughs> Resistance, Republic, rebellion the mystery the clarity especially when it came to like ray's parents and who snoke is and i guess what what, were there any other mysteries that we're discussing snoke didn't bother me because snoke's just like he's snoke like i you know whatever he's just there i don't think that he's i'm gonna go on record and say this i don't think snoke is any important character that we have met before within the confines of the Star Wars universe. I oh, think all the crackpot theories that he's like someone come back from the dead or something? That would be ridiculous. I would... If I went to go see The Last Jedi tomorrow and it turns out Snoke's like actually Emperor Palpatine, I would be... I'd be angry. Because <laughs> it would make no sense. Just let him be a bad guy. I mean, you can have some explanation later as to where he came from, I suppose. But, you know, why would you... Uh, you'd be wondering, you wouldn't wonder if there weren't other movies. You know, if this was the first one, you go, oh, okay, that's the bad guy, I guess. But because there is that 30-year gap, you're like, okay, so how did this guy take over the Empire? But to me, it was the constant mysteries that kept popping up, like who were Ray's parents? Like, clearly we're making a big deal out of this, and her abandonment on Jakku. Now, if she had, you know, if she was just, like, hunky-dory on Jakku and everything seemed fine, and she met BB-8... 
I probably wouldn't have questioned it. But she seemed to be kind of miserable living there. And then, you know, the question of, well, how in the world did they end up, did Maz end up with um, Luke's lightsaber? Yeah. You know, and she's like, that's a good question for another time. I'm like, just answer it. Just tell me. It can't be that long of a deal. You know, <laughs> clearly someone found it from someone else at some point. You know, where's his hand? Did anyone find his hand? Because that was holding the lightsaber. <laughs> what is at the bottom of Bespin? Does it just keep going? Does it just fall out of the universe at that point? I don't know. <laughs> questions. <laughs> so questions. many questions. We'll kind of, I think we'll kind of segue into something else related to the Force that we both had some questions with. And we were talking about Ray's parents. But also, some of the tweak is kind of how they handle Ray learning her powers. So I'll kind of kick this one off that basically when we meet Ray, she's just a scavenger. And then all of a sudden she starts kind of learning the ways of the force and like within one scene learns how to, uh, you know, manipulate a stormtrooper into letting her go. And then all of a sudden she's in a lightsaber fight with Kylo Ren and defeats him like pretty quickly, like within the last like half hour or whatever. So, my big thing is, and I think we both agree, like, the lightsaber fight wasn't as big of a deal with her powers, but the scene... Well, yeah, because, I mean, she uses that staff in the beginning of the movie, and she's obviously very good at it. You know, I would never yeah. go as far to call her, like, a Mary Sue. You want to talk about a Mary Ye- Sue character, talk about Anakin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, that's that's a whole other thing I'm going to get into right after. Like, okay, so, I agree, Ray already knew how to fight. So, like, it's just different. Oh, she has a lightsaber. Sure, Kylo Ren should be better because he's been exclusively trained with a lightsaber. But, and that's where, like, some people were like, well, why was Finn so good? Because he's not even a Jedi. And I'm like, same thing. He was a stormtrooper. He was trained how to fight. You, you know? <laughs> yeah, he fought <laughs> like, off that one guy, the traitor guy. Yeah. Traitor! <laughs> That should have just been Captain Phasma. That's a whole nother thing, but um, so yeah. The but the power the the part the the the, the part where she learns how to, um, what's the correct term for this? Force, uh, like, mind. Uh, what is it? Uh, Jedi just mind trick. Jedi mind trick. So when she pulls a Jedi mind trick on a stormtrooper, which is a cameo from Daniel Craig. Um, yep. <laughs> the the current James Bond, um, is that it seemed relatively quick for her to learn that and then actually well, it, do it. It's not that she learned it; it's that it'd be the equivalent of like Kylo Ren telling us that he learned, you know, something from Darth Vader directly. Like, yeah. wh- how how would that have happened? So she grows up on Jakku, never exposed to Jedi. In fact, half an hour earlier in the film, she tells Han Solo she's never even heard of the Jedi, or she didn't think the Jedi were real. So how would she know how to do that specific Jedi mind trick? That is my specific nitpicky part. Yeah. She can be all Force-powerful and do what she wants, but the way they did it was weird because she just straight up goes, you will drop your weapon and let me out of this chains. And he's like, What? When she should have been like, you know, please drop your weapon. You know, I don't want to be here. And then noticing that I was influencing him or something along those lines. Yeah, I would agree with that. And like you said, this is very nitpicky. Like, I don't super, want anyone super to think nitpicky because I mean, she, I don't... she knows she has force powers at this point. But how would she have known exactly what a Jedi mind trick is? 
Yeah, and so I don't want any of the listeners to think like, oh, we're being assholes and just like freaking out over such a smi- small part of the entire film. Like this film's like two hours, what, 20 minutes, 15 minutes? 2.15, So yeah. like, yeah, so I'm, I'm not, like that did not affect my entire experience of the movie. But like you said, like that's a minor switch on how they could have done it as she just starts talking to the stormtrooper, asking for things, then all of a sudden he starts doing them and she's like, wait a minute. Um, or, um, you know, like another change of her character, like, okay, we saw in Rogue One, um, Donnie Yen's character, he was like, he believed in the force, but he was not a Jedi. Like, what if Rey's character was just someone who always loved hearing about the Jedi and she studied them or she heard stories. And so she knew about it and knew about Jedi mind tricks. And then all of a sudden she does it. That would have made more sense. But like you said, she has no knowledge of a Jedi mind trick besides the fact that Kylo Ren was like, you know, using the force to try to pull information from her. All of a sudden she felt that and was like, Oh, I want to do that. Well, and it, trick it, someone. Yeah. It would be yeah. like if Kylo Ren was all of a sudden like, now I'm going to try spinning. Cause I heard that's a good trick. You know, you, <laughs> you would clearly go, okay, well how would he know that that spinning's a good trick unless Darth Vader told him that. Yeah. Or someone. Someone who watched uh, the prequels informed him of that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, Ray's powers. They could have cleaned that up a little bit. Maybe just thrown a little bit more hints here and there. Um, just so that, like, it wouldn't have been from, like, it was zero such a quick, to 30. Quick escalation. Yes. And because, like you said, that kind of like how the plans with the Starkiller base was all kind of rushed. This is where it kind of started getting rushed towards the end. Um, but, uh,. So speaking of something that they could have taken out to give more time to story beats such as Ray's powers or the lack of clarity is the CGI Wrath Tar on Han Solo and Chewie's ship about a half hour into the movie. Josh, what were your feelings on the Wrath Tar? I always thought that scene was the CGI didn't bother me as much as I always thought the scene felt like it was from like a Star Trek movie or something. It felt kind of like Weird. I mean, it's the first time we saw Han actually smuggling anything, but yes. the scene could have played out differently. I don't know. It just seemed inconsequential to the rest of the film. Exactly. Other so than that's they where... just they got off the ship, it didn't. And the one guy caught the BB-8 unit, but that was about it. Exactly. So, I here's my thing. Like a lot of people, whenever I bring this up to friends or colleagues. They're like, what are you talking about? That scene's great. It shows Han trying to, you know, like you said, he's smuggling and he's swindling. And it's like, no, no, that's all fine. Like that whole part where he's like, I didn't take any money from Kanja Club. Uh, They're like, yeah, they they said you did. There's Kanja Club. He's like, you know, so-and-so, good to see you. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, you swindled us twice. What was the second time? That was classic Han Solo, great Harrison Ford moment. Like, that was, like, just a clear indication what he's been up to for the past 30 years. That's all great. But it's, like, the five to seven, eight, you know, like, I don't know if it was ten minutes, but the sequence where they let the Rathars go, and they're making these weird noises, and it's this weird CGI tentacle thing that are just eating people. And, like you said, it just didn't feel like Star Wars to me. It felt off. I know uh, Star Wars has weird creatures, but I guess it was just something that felt so weird to you. You said it reminded you of Star Trek. To me, 
it reminded me of like the same kind of feel of like a Men in Black movie. Like I thought Will Smith should have been like shooting a laser, be like, damn, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that would have made more sense to me than Ray and Finn running around and you know trying to escape these Wrath Tars. Basically, I would have just removed that entire sequence. Like just Han finds a different way to escape and then take that time of that battle sequence. And instead of doing another action scene, just put that into little two minute, one minute sections throughout the film to give us more clarification. Yeah. Would you do that if you could? Yeah. I think that the, the problem is, is that, and I noticed it, especially this viewing is the, the film and it's, you know, it's just a problem with kind of modern cinema almost. There's so much action in it mm-hmm. that, you know, we've we've had our opening scene, then we kind of slow down for a little bit, and then the film gets nice, and then we have our Millennium Falcon escape scene, and that's really cool. You know, it's a big action set piece, and then I don't think there should have been another action piece until the battle at Maz's castle. Agreed. And that's because, because it's it feels like we just got out of one action scene and now we introduce Han Solo now we're in another action scene agreed I I thought like you said like we were finally getting to the stuff I was really enjoying you know Chewie we're home and like they're filling in that's where they started filling in gaps like those talking scenes like I'm sure some people are like oh, I just want to see lasers and yeah, spaceships and aliens short attention <clears throat> span but there's plenty of action in this movie and there's good action like you said they have some right at the beginning they have space battles. They have lightsaber battles eventually. Like, there's plenty of action. Just take out that one sequence. Like, I guarantee if you ask anyone, like, no one will ever say that that's their favorite scene in the movie. No, and, <laughs> I mean, Rogue One has the same problem, too, where it's action, 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 action. And it doesn't give the film a lot of time to breathe or get to know the characters. Now, The Force Awakens has much better character moments than Rogue One yeah. does. You feel like you get to know Ray and Finn and Poe, but there's just, there's so much action in it that it doesn't give the film a lot of time to, to breathe when it yeah. needs to. And that's, you know, because you would have been kind of been lulled into a sense of, okay, we have a little bit of time. And I think that the whole Han Solo helping them out should have been played out as a longer beat than it was because it kind of felt like he had no choice because now he doesn't have a ship because Wrath Tars are tearing it apart. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just would have... It felt like a cheap way for them to get away. Like, I would have enjoyed seeing Han Solo using his smarts and, like, swindling and just, like, his overall... You know, he's a scoundrel that kind of just barely gets away, and it's like, ah, Han Solo... You know, like with the evil guys kind of shaking their fist. I like, I would have I would have loved to have seen him be really bad at it, to tell you the truth. Oh no, exactly. It's like, but he still pulls it off somehow, barely. But that's the thing. Yeah. Is like because that would like, fit his character. Like Indiana he's Jones, not the, in he's not the smuggler that he used to be, and that's that yeah. would have fit better with his arc. You know, of like, well, he really should be home with Leia and part of the resistance, but he's running away from that because of his son, and then we're going to get into just rewriting the whole movie at this point. But Yes. So that I felt that that's just a scene that... One thing I've just noticed, and like you said, it's movies overall, is like when you can remove an entire scene and it doesn't change the rest of your plot, 
Like, that's where you realize that, I don't know, like, it, it's just, and maybe it's because we're both writers, like, we're taught that, like, everything should be either story or, you know, a joke or this or that. Like, that was literally, like you said, just for another action sequence and a weird mm-hmm. alien thing. <clears throat> well, I mean, look at, like, Empire Strikes Back, where, you know, the first half of the movie is basically a movie. The first third of the movie is, like, its own little mini-movie. You, you know, the, the Battle on Hoth? Yeah, the, the Empire Strikes Back has one of the weirdest structures I've ever seen. Because you pretty much have the climactic battle at the beginning of the movie. Yes. But <clears throat> after they, you know, escape from that, I mean, there's a couple, you know, action sequences with the Millennium Falcon, but there's there's not really another action piece until the end of the movie. And even that's not really that big of an action piece. It's just a lightsaber fight and them escaping. Yes. And I, I wish that it had been more like that where we had some time to breathe. I mean, even Revenge of the Sith has a little bit more time to breathe. Yeah. And that's actually something I remember I even wrote an article about that because every action movie is like it's just a giant third act CGI battle. Like that's what we're always leading to. Mm -hmm. But like I enjoy when films decide to do something different. Like you said, like give us the big action scene right in the beginning and then, you know, all the story. And then that's where. You know, everyone considers Empire, like, one of the best, if not the best Star Wars movie, and also one of the best films of all time. So maybe we should look at that. (laughs) Maybe we should examine why that did so well. We could do a whole podcast on how weird The Empire Strikes Back really is. Yeah, and it's not, you know, just because of the the infamous twist as, like, one of the most quotable movie uh movie uh, that that one of the most repeated like movie quotes of all time but yeah it it just uh but getting back to force awakens i agree that it's just too much action um that that's where they could have filled in some of the other stuff that we were discussing before i have two super 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 small things one which, I mean, this is something people bring up is like the the underutilization of Captain Phasma. I think that was more so like a marketing issue, like you said. They kept showing the shiny suit, and I think J.J. even said like that was one of his favorite new characters, and uh, she was in all the marketing material, all the toys, all these things. So they're like, oh, and they got Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones? She's a great actress. This is going to be pretty badass. Like, look at how tall she is. Like, awesome, awesome. And then she's only in a couple scenes, and then I was like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't have built up everyone to be so excited for that character if she's going to be getting more time in the later in the series, which I've heard that she has more time in The Last Jedi. So we'll see <laughs> what their definition of more time is, if that just means five minutes opposed to two minutes. But, uh... <laughs> well... And then my... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I mean, maybe they're maybe they'll give her all of C three PO's time in, in this one. <laughs> they're gonna just slowly phase him away. You may not have recognized me with my red arm. <laughs> you may not have recognized me as a as a way to buy have kids buy new C three PO action figures. <laughs> um. And so my last one, and I kind of want to end like on a joking note because this is totally not like a serious tweak, but it was actually something that someone said to me. Uh, <laughs> while we were watching it for the first time, 
was so at the end, Ray, Chewie, and uh, is it BB-8 or R2? I always forget. R2. Um, are fl- yeah, they're going to they're going to see Luke, and <laughs> um, they land on that planet that he he's at, and. Chewie, R2, and her land at, like, the bottom, and then she's got to climb up the hill. And the person I was with turned to me and said, like, Chewie, you couldn't have dropped me off at the top? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a tiny, like, it's, like I said, it's more so of a humorous uh, thing they could have changed, but that just didn't make sense to me. You have a spaceship. Why wouldn't he just go to the very tippy top, drop her off, and she could work her way down? <laughs> and why didn't Gandalf try to get those eagles to drop the ring in the Mount, exactly. Mount Doom, you know? <laughs> exactly. So, little things like that. I guess it's because if I'm a filmmaker, I would always be worried about the nitpicky things. But you would miss it. That's what would happen. That's, that's yeah. you know, you'd be focused on big picture, and then you'd be like, oops. Listeners, please reach out to us. Do you have any tweaks for uh, Force Awakens without changing the whole film? Just little uh, little things that they rearrange this or that um, that they would uh, make it even better. Um, Josh, would you like to plug uh, your social medias? Any uh, anything they can look out for? Yeah, um, you can check me out on Twitter. I occasionally tweet, and I'm trying to do more. Occasionally I go on a Twitter storm about net neutrality. Um, <laughs> it happens here and again, but I guess maybe not after tomorrow. Um, but you can uh, check me out at J. Scott Sibley. That's the letter J and then Scott Sibley. Um, you can also check me out on YouTube. Do I have a YouTube account? Deft Pictures, I think, is coming back up eventually. And we should have a short film or a little Christmas sketch um, in the next couple weeks here, you know, before Christmas. So that'll, yes. that'll be cool. <laughs> I was going to ask if that's still a thing. It is still a thing. We're we're finishing the uh, we're doing the second half on Saturday. Yeah, I wish we would have. Uh, um, Josh was a part of one of our Christmas sketches that we made last year, um, shot and edited and did uh, an awesome job on Christmas present. If you saw that on the YouTube channel, go watch that again. Go watch that again. Um, because that is timeless. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at the pros, T H E P R O Z E. Um, please rate, review, subscribe. This is found on the entertainment buffet podcast, uh, feed. Um, you know, if we start getting decent little following for film tweakers, maybe we'll uh, spin off into our own channel. But for now we're going to be kind of like a, a bonus little podcast with entertainment buffet, uh, follow entertainment buffet at entertain buffet on Twitter Check out the YouTube page for new videos coming away in the next couple months, some of which Josh is working on, some I'm working on. Um, and, uh, yeah, entertainmentbuffet.com. And uh, leave us a, a tweet at us or email any of those things for your own Star Wars Force Awakens tweaks or any films you'd like to hear us tweak it up with. Some tweakery, tweakness tweaking (laughs) um any final words josh uh we're less than 24 hours before last jedi we should do a film tweakers on it tomorrow night (laughs) go ahead and fix it right away no i'm i'm very very excited to see it but um uh you know in the end it'll be star wars (laughs) it will um so yeah 
we will uh, we'll return again and tweak some more of the Star Wars. I mean, we're going to have to wait until the Han Solo movie and then eventually Episode Nine. We're going to have to talk about other Star Wars. <laughs> well, we can do the prequels for, for the Han Solo movie, if that actually is happening and is a real movie. I'm not thoroughly convinced <laughs> it is. But so, D- didn't you hear they announced the the title? It's Solo, a Star Wars story. They announced that in like October. I still no, have, I, I've never seen a poster uh, or a trailer, and apparently this movie comes out in like five months. I know, but that's what's so humorous is like what a what a witty title, guys. What a uh, <laughs> you really pull out the stops for that one. Yep, Solo, a Star Wars story. Yep, yep. All right, listeners, may the force be with you and hope you have a Merry Christmas.